BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to those committed to leveraging innovation to make the world a better place. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank, be bold, venture wisely. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, it was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. Mic check, check one, check two. Are we here? All right, we're here right now. Welcome, welcome, come on in, take your shoes off, pull up a beanbag chair, and put some aromatherapy in the air. You're tuned in to Right Now-ish, I'm your host, Pendarvis Harshaw. April is National Poetry Month, so let's give the people what they want. A bit of old, a taste of the new, we've got Alan Cesaro for interview part two. Educator, poet, and now journalist, Alan Cesaro joined us about a year and a half ago to discuss his chapbook, this is not a Frank Ocean cover album. In his newest book, you can see him taking a deeper and more evolved dive into some of the same themes. The idea of who I am and growing up on hip hop and growing up in the Bay, being first generation Mexican-American pocho, I wanted all of that to be in the book and the idea of the piñata theory encapsulates that for me. Stay put as Alan Cesaro discusses poetry, machismo, Kendrick Lamar, and growing as a writer. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Randad Fatah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. We'll get to Alan Cesaro's newest book, Pinata Theory. But first, we got to rewind to a conversation that happened pre-pandemic. Back when coming together to break bread wasn't an issue and we could still get some wings at Oakland's Lucky 3-7 without a mask. I love the wings, but that beefsteak, it's catching my eye. I don't know. I don't know. And I feel like they make their food with love and they, they embrace the bay and it's like, you can like taste it. 
Taste the bay. I don't know if I want to taste the bay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I was at Alameda Beach the other day for my feet in, dog. Like, that's as deep as I'm going. Alan, he's this dude who's, on top of being a poet and educator, he's a Mexican-American man who talks about masculinity with fluidity. The De La Hoya one stood out to me because I grew up in a black community yeah. where the big fights were Tyson fights. Mm -hmm. And so I remember this fight, but yeah. it wasn't as yeah. big of a magnitude, you know? It was vivid, man. For yeah. me, it was like, that's, yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, from the site where legends are made, so this poem is called Julio Cesar Chavez versus Oscar De La Hoya in 1996. Let's get ready to that night, our apartment was an armpit, testosterone and sweat washed as if Papi and his friends were the ones entering the ring. The men laughed, easily entertained until Chavez appeared on screen. From Culiacan, Mexico, Julio. The Mexican warrior, they called him. Papi reminded me how he had battled 100 fighters, more than Ali or Tyson or Dempsey. Then De La Hoya entered. Everyone booed, telling him to go back to his locker like the traitor he was. The Mexicans thought he was gringo and the gringos thought he was Mexican. I should have smiled with missing front teeth for the golden boy in his mixed-up outfit, a combo of U.S. and Mexican flags, but I didn't. I'm glad you chose that one, dude. That's actually one of my earliest poems in this. I think it might be the oldest poem in this packet. Yeah. So I grew up with just my dad and my older brother, and my mom never lived with us, my sister never lived with us, so it was a very like male-centric kind of like stereotypical, a lot of male friends always around. And my dad was a Mexican immigrant. So I definitely was like around a lot of homies growing up and, and close friends that were male. But a lot of my friends by nature, us, me and my brother being first generation American, a lot of our friends were in the same boat basically. Yeah. It it's very, can be very close minded. You know, like no smile, just kind of standing there like a statue. I could just feel like people were putting on an image rather than being themselves. I started doing graffiti and freestyling, and I think those were like quote-unquote acceptable ways of me to express myself as a young man of color growing up in the Bay. And eventually, towards community college, I started getting into poetry. I started becoming more comfortable with like my sense of being a poet rather than like a graffiti artist or like this kid that could rap or something. Right. Yeah. This is not a Frank Ocean cover album. Why is that the title? Because <laughs> I grew up in the U.S. Hip-hop is a huge part of my identity. Like, I, my first album I ever owned was, I'm pretty sure it was fourth grade, and it was Tupac. Um, what was it? It was the one with Casey and JoJo. Damn, I can't remember the name. Toss It Up? Toss It Up, yeah, man. Drop the top, I pull over, getting busy in the parking lot. I think it was that one. fourth grade listening to Toss It Up. Yeah, dude, and that's what happens when you have a single-parent immigrant who's, like, working and never at home, you know? I feel like I've been shaped by a lot of hip-hop and artists in particular. And we all have, you know what I mean? Like, we're all, as Americans, just constantly sort of finding how we fit in with, like, aligning ourselves to the stars that we admire. Dang. You know what I mean? And I, so I kind of was like listening to Frank Ocean a lot during that specific time period of writing. And I was just like, damn, this guy's cool. Like he's not afraid to be himself and, and to be vulnerable and to, to like embrace his community 
and he's also just hella talented. And there were so many things going into it that I was like, I want to allude to that to that somehow, but also not be like, I am Frank Ocean, because that would just be creepy. <laughs> <You know laughs> that would be really weird. <laughs> it's like, this is a kind of a cover album, but it's kind of not. Like, gotcha. Yeah. Well, all right, so I got to admit to you, sometimes when I read written poetry, I'm like, I don't know what the hell is yeah, going yeah. on here, bro. You're not alone. So I, I want to take this opportunity yeah, for please. you to decode some yeah, things yeah, for yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the poem Bricks, one of the lines that stood out to me was, um, uh, I'm more caterpillar than panther. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, what does that mean? The poem ends by saying that basically, like, I feel more caterpillar than panther because people might see any of us on the street, you or me, and be like, oh, like, that's a man of color, and they assume all these things. But I feel like deep inside, I'm this, like, pretty gentle, calm dude that appreciates transformation and growth, hence me being a public high school teacher, you know what I mean? I'm not afraid to be like, nah, I'm that caterpillar dude. It's all good. I'm just going to spread my wings. That's fine. Also, shout out to uh, Kendrick Lavar. <laughs> right. <laughs> that conversation was back in 2019. Since then, Alan has released a book of poems, and he's been diving into journalism, even freelancing for KQED. With all of the growth, we figured it'd be a good time to check in. We talked, what, almost two years ago now, and so much life has happened since then. I wanted to first just start off with a piece of poetry. Much love. Thanks for bringing me back, dude. So I'm going to read a poem from my latest collection of poetry, um, Piñata Theory, which came out during the pandemic. So it's been it's been a strange time to kind of peddle my poems. But here we go with one. It's called Ode to Kendrick Lamar. There are nights like tonight when it rains biblical amounts of everything and music plays while I drive somewhere. I usually don't go after dark because I get lost in my head while my wife plans for next week and I try to decide where to park and when to leave but instead I down IPAs and smash in and out burgers into my gut before the smallest words crawl out forced some days I feel the dark rushing a tidal wave of fuck yous cresting my insides I double knot my Tims and avert eye contact in a hoodie and baseball cap. I am not this facade, have never sailed a fist into a stranger's skull, but there is a thunderstorm coming and I must know my way. Tomorrow, I'll drive a pickup to the end of the road on the other side of 880. I'll park and read poetry while 18-wheelers rumble within inches of my chest. It's what excites and repels my attention while riding this neighborhood. How the blood of sweet grass reminds me of something else. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Bring us into your world. What was going on when you wrote that poem? That particular poem, I want to say, was written in like 2015. And I remember that because I was a graduate student at the University of San Francisco in the creative writing program. And at that time, I was living in South Hayward, and I used to have to take like the bus to get to the bar, and then the bar all the way to the city. Kendrick had just dropped his secret album called Untitled Unmastered. I was bumping it a lot because I was riding the bar, I was on the bus to like occupy my mind. And I wanted to kind of honor Kendrick as an artist who is unafraid to just put out raw art. These metamorphic supernatural forces dominate what I see. 
and be himself, present him and his community in a sort of different way, right? It's not always like a stereotypical narrative. And when he does tell his narratives, I feel a sense of like fullness and humanity in his work. That's what I love about poetry and writing in general, because when I read that poem, it transports me back to that moment in my life when I was like this graduate student that was just grinding to like, you know, I had like a full ride scholarship. My only thing was just reading, consuming poetry and sort of vibing with different art forms and and just being present in the Bay Area as fully as I could. Imagine if you could just be a grad student at all times. (laughs) Like what you just described should be life, right? (laughs) Yeah. No, I know it's kind of cliche in a way, but I always tell my students that like, how lucky are we that our purpose in this space is that we're trying to grow in our craft, in our sense of knowing the world, in our in our sense of voice and possibility. You know, I try not to do it too much because then they're going to be like, man, shut up, dude. But I, I think when you understand that that's not a given in the world, you start to really appreciate how beautiful it is that our job is to learn right now. Since interviewing you the first time, I've been keeping up with your writing, your growth, and seeing your your byline in 48 Hills and SF Gate and um, being shared through the newsletters with the Warriors. What type of growth have you experienced behind the scenes? What have you learned about poetry? It's an art form of the interior. To me, it's like a meditative space. When I'm writing poems, I want to go inward and I want to reflect and I want to pick through the fragments of myself and sort of grapple with all of these layers of my identity. But then there's other days where I'm I'm feeling very social and I want to talk to people and I want to tell other people's stories. So I've been doing a lot more journalism and I found that like I can apply my poetic sensibilities and my poetic craft to other forms of living, but particularly of writing. Constant growth. Mm -hmm. Thanks again for joining us, Alan, the ever growing, ever learning writer and culture connoisseur. You all can find both of his books at BlackLawrencePress.com and you can follow his work on Instagram or Twitter at Alan underscore Chazaro. That's A-L-A-N underscore C-H-A-Z-A-R-O. While we're in a poetic mood, I gotta show love to all of the past quotes we've had on the show. So in the notes for this episode, we'll leave a Spotify playlist link that features their interviews. And while we're giving out love, I gotta show big love to Ashley Ann Krigbaum. She's the angelic artist who produced the original interview with Alan. This version of an interview with Alan was produced by the poetic professional known as Marisol Medina Cadena. The editor extraordinaire is Jessica Plachik. Our excellent engineer is Sil Muller. The ever energetic engagement team is composed of Sarah Pineda, Lena Blanco, Kiana Moganum, and Jacqueline Carvajal. KQED's exceptional executives are Erica Aguilar, David Marcus, and Holly Kernan. I'm your hard-headed host, Mr. Harshaw, hoping you all have a heck of a day. Right Now-ish is a KQED production. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on The Bay Curious Podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, 
please consider becoming a KQED member. Get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks.